This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. It's episode 320 of the Craft Beer and Brewing Podcast. And for this episode, we're sitting in the dark. And that is so fitting because we're in Portland, Oregon. And in this episode, we're talking to Sam Zermanio from Brujos Beer, who is all about the dark. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thanks for having me. I would hope this is one of the most metal podcasts that we do. And when I say that, we literally are sitting here in the dark because Brujos, as a beer brand, is dedicated to the dark, the dark magic, the dark arts, yeah. <laughs> and all of those yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but through this episode, we're going to talk about how Brujos expresses itself through everything from uh, you know through hazy and expressive IPAs to uh, to the same kind of expressive nature in stouts. And uh, we're going to walk through some of those Brujos approaches. We should say that Brujos as a brewery is not open to the public yet in terms of a physical space. The brand exists. The brand has been brewed at other breweries, uh, several other breweries before this. And the, the brand is in the act of manifesting itself in its own physical space. It's taking shape here in Portland, Oregon, um, in a location that existed from a former brewery that is now being transformed into the the full Brujos experience. Sam and I met uh, a couple years ago when you were in the uh, you know, R&D brewer role at Great Notion Brewery. And I, I should also mention that this episode was facilitated, set up by our mutual friend, the the shady character behind the Pilsner-ish <laughs> social media <laughs> accounts. <laughs> yes. Um, but I've known this character. I actually met him through his dad. Not that's that wild. I mean, maybe that dates me. Maybe that you know, I you know, that that's that kind of okay boomer <laughs> kind of statement. But uh I knew his dad before I knew him, and uh, you know we then shared beers in the early 20 teens. Um, but of course, we've remained friends, and have, and since then he started that whole social media account for Pilsnerish. If you're not following uh, Pilsnerish yet, go out there and do it. The uh, humor and the entertainment is absolutely worth your while. But of course, you know, he works with you here, Sam. Anyway, welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and yeah, um, Pilsnerish, follow them, follow him. Uh, great content, great person. I I love that dude. We're gonna talk about hazy IPA. We're gonna talk about brewing stouts. We're gonna talk about the dark magic that Brujos employs to brew compelling beers. But first, for years, G and D Chillers has chilled the beers you love, partnering with three thousand plus breweries across the country. They're proud of the cool partnerships they've built, offering twenty four seven service and support. GD builds with non proprietary parts, expert craftsmanship, and constant innovation. GD's in house engineering crew have been piping breweries, wineries, and distilleries for over 30 years. They offer free piping design and consultation with the sale of every chiller they build. 
Reach out for a quote today at gdchillers.com or call to discuss your next project. Also, this episode is brought to you by our friends at BSG, who invite you to experience one of the newest hops from their Hop Solutions line, HS Grove. Developed for hop-forward beer styles, HS Grove boasts incredible biotransformation qualities, giving you the power to transform your next IPA into a stone fruit powerhouse. Choose HS Grove for West Coast IPA, New England IPA, Double IPA, American Pale Ale, or any beer style where delicious fresh fruit aromatics are desired. Visit bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more and... Scheduling freight carriers should be the last thing on a brewer's mind. So why not trust the experts to handle freight for your ingredients? Old Orchard has partnered with a leading logistics firm in the craft beverage industry to transport your flavored craft juice concentrate blends. When you order two pails or more from Old Orchard, you qualify for freight quotes. To get started, head on over to oldorchard.com slash brewer. Sam, you know how we started off this podcast because you, uh, you've you've listened to the podcast before. You know, we start talking about your arc and your history through brewing. So tell us yours. Where does it start? Where does your craft beer experience start? Where did you catch the brewing bug, decide that you wanted to make this a career? And then how did that translate into you starting Brujos Beer here in Portland, Oregon? I started brewing back in 2014. I was homebrewing like crazy. Just once I started doing it, I became obsessed with it. Um, and I didn't start brewing until I had this freak accident. I was rock climbing and I fell and I broke my feet. And so I was in a wheelchair for like half a year minimum. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to try homebrewing. I already knew about it. Some of my friends were doing it. Um, and yeah, once I started doing it, I became obsessed with it and I got better I started walking. I started brewing more and eventually I got a job offer from Black Market Brewing. Um, I ended up taking that job because I was just so passionate about brewing. My friend was the head brewer there at the time, Kyle Boroff, who's uh, currently not brewing, but um, is looking to get back into it. Um, he taught me a bunch about scaling homebrew recipes up and... Uh, yeah, like the basics of just brewing, really. This is all here in Portland, Oregon? No, this was back in Temecula, California. Um, this is where I started my journey as a brewer. Starts in Southern California? It started in Southern California. I'm like, I'm and from. You grew up in some mix of California and Mexico. Yeah. Huh? So I was born in TJ. And uh, when I was about eight years old, my parents moved up to California and we moved all over. Lived in like Chula Vista, Oceanside, Orange County, and eventually ended up in Riverside for like the majority of my life until I decided I wanted to move to Oregon, which was like a couple years into uh, being a professional brewer, if you will. Um, I had this opportunity in Newport, Oregon to become a brewer for this guy that was starting a brewery. So I took it because the pay was way better. And I just wanted to move up here. I was like, the Pacific Northwest is ultimately where I want to end up. Sure. Um, so I ended up there. There's a few good beers made up here. Oh, yeah, dude. The, <laughs> the water here is the best water sure, ever. Sure. So um, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to move up here. Um, so I did that. Uh, soon after that, uh, Great Notion 
talked to me and they were like, you should come brew for us. So I did that. And right when I did that, it was like, boom, 2020 pandemic. So yeah, I just got to work in, got to brewing and learned a bunch during those two, two and a half years. And then, so you cut your teeth as R and D brewer for Great Notion. Yeah, and you got to brew a whole bunch of different kind of beers. Oh, I got to brew to all like kinds of things. Figuring out how to you know push flavor. And, yeah, absolutely. And for them. Yeah, I learned a ton from them. Um, I started off as production lead brewer in 2020, March of 2020, and then after a couple of years, I was doing like I was the lead R and D brewer at the pub, which was really fun. Um, I got to work with Metro over there and we wrote a bunch of recipes and just had fun and just like tried to push the envelope with flavors and hops and yeast strains and whatever. And, um, that was right about the time where we met. When yeah, I think, yeah, it was like right around the time we met in Denver at, I, I believe it was at Beerstock. Was it, it was a beer shop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> had a couple of lagers in us by then. It was fun. Um, yeah. So, and then from there I went on to Living House worked there for about 10 months and that was super fun too that was uh mostly lager brewing and yeah but when i was at great notion i initially started off as lead brewer like i said and then after a few years i was just curious to see if i could take my home brewing recipes and scale them there on on the 30 barrel batch on the 30 barrel system of all systems um and the guys were nice enough to give me a shot and we tried one and it did real well and the people loved it and bought it all like within a day or so. And so that like Brujos. Yeah. That Brujos was, as a brand was truly born. It was something yeah, that you because would, before then it was just a home, like a homebrew project that right. I've been doing the whole time, like behind the scenes. And I had like a little cult following that has followed me to this day, which I absolutely. So, so tell me about that. Like it was like you were working professionally yeah. <laughs> in the beer world. You were yeah, brewing totally for great notion and others. But you were also still homebrewing on the side and building, yeah, some familiarity with your Brujos brand for sure. Outside of the things that were you know, like paying you, that were yeah, you know, providing yeah. a living for you. Yeah, even before, like, yeah, even before I was working at Black Market, I was already doing Brujos, and Black Market actually approached me because of Brujos, and they were like, "We like the homebrews that you're making and the homebrews that we've had." A chance to try and so we would love to have you come in and be like an assistant brewer and so huh. i was like that's awesome the pay wasn't great but I, I decided to leave my other job that i was doing i was a truck driver for a few years and obviously that wasn't that fun so i was like brewing is kind of ultimately what i want to do if i can pull this off so i took the job and then Great Notion had also heard of Brujos and I became good friends with Tom who was like, who's now like their uh, quality assurance uh, VP, I guess. Um, and he introduced me to the brewers there, the owners and shit. And uh, those guys and I quickly became, we, uh, we quickly became friends after we met and uh, yeah, they took me on and they just showed me the ropes and, I learned so much about production brewing and just like large scale brewing because when I got to Great Notion, it was no longer the small, like super niche or super, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was no longer the the project that it was when it started, you know, it was becoming something much bigger. And uh, it was cool to get into that then because I just learned so much more, I feel like, than I would have learned if I started with them as a 
smaller company. For sure. Now it's fun to watch just how that brand has expanded for them. But it's also exciting to look at how things have grown for you, where taking this Brujos brand, you know, that, uh, you know, was kind of a formative homebrew brand Mm -hmm. and then being able to channel it through the discipline of commercial brewing through this larger scale thing. And then being able to also then brew your beers kind of, you know, within that brew house and on the side and grow that brand has been a cool thing that's brought to, brought you to where you are now. Yeah. Which is taking over a brew house here in Portland yeah. and starting to to brew those beers on your own. I want to talk a little bit more about that, but yeah. first, take your brewing to the next level with AccuBrew's revolutionary fermentation monitoring system, now predicting specific gravity. AccuBrew's mobile app and stainless steel sensor work together to send your live data from inside your tanks, including predictive uh, predicted gravity, fermentation activity, clarity, and temperature. Unlike other fermentation monitoring systems, AccuBrew is CIP ready and designed to stay out of your way, saving you time and space. Their set it and forget it solution streamlines systems and processes, helps maintain consistency, and detects problems before they ruin a batch. Join the AccuBrew community today and experience 24 7 peace of mind. Also, ProBrew is excited to announce that they are currently featuring short lead times between two and four weeks for their in-stock Pro-Fill rotary can fillers. These can fillers run at speeds between 100 and 600 plus cans per minute while achieving precise and consistent filling volumes not achievable by most inline and mobile fillers. For more information, fill out their contact form on www.probrew.com or email contact us at probrew.com to learn exactly how they can take your operations to the next level. ProBrew, brew your beer. And if you're a ProBrew customer, I'm going to be speaking at their annual Confab in October. Uh, go to their site to learn more about that. And elevate your brewing game with RMS Roller Grinder. Their industry-leading mills deliver optimal grind consistency, unlocking the full potential of your grain. Say goodbye to uneven grinds and hello to exceptional flavor extraction. Brew pub or production facility, RMS has the expertise in grain handling equipment to meet your needs. Visit rmsroller-grinder.com to discover how RMS can transform your brewing experience. Unleash the full potential of your grains with RMS Roller Grinder, the trusted choice of brewers worldwide. You know, and right here at Brewhouse, you've got an RMS an RMS mill. Yeah, it's super nice because I worked on the same mill when I was working at Living House, so I'm super familiar with it and it's a it's a nice thing to have a mill like that. You know, it's a pretty fancy mill. Fancy and fantastic. So Absolutely. so Sam, let's talk about uh you know, so you start brew you you have this idea of brewhouse. Right. You want to make beers that capture the imagination of beer drinkers out there. Yeah. They're going to do that through flavor. They're going to do that through some sort of approach to uniqueness. They're going to do that through a brand yeah. that is, you know, not necessarily for everybody. You know, it, it, it's a brand that is oh, absolutely, yeah. willing to be polarizing in, yeah. in the pursuit of flavor and yep. perfection. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I I like big expressive beers. Um, 
whether it's a Pilsner or IPA. Like I love the hoppier versions of all of those beers. And so with Brujos, I've always aimed to push the boundary on flavor of IPA or stout, whatever it is, even lager. Um, I love, yeah, I love to push the envelope on the way that I brew. And uh, sometimes it works, other times it doesn't, you know, like you, you can't always push the envelope on certain styles. It just like, it should be what it is. But with IPA, I feel like there's so much more you can still do that we haven't done. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking to see what else I can do with it and how far I can push it before it's like too much. When then you say that, what, what does that mean? What, what, how, pushing it, what does pushing it mean? Just, you know, we live in an era where like, you know, 15 pounds per barrel, you know, is <laughs> yeah. something that shows up <laughs> yeah. on brewery yeah. marketing Instagram sure. where, you know, this idea of more is more, yeah, it, you know, and, and this kind of like broad over the topness. Yeah. I guess pushing the process to the point where it's like, this is as high as I can go with hops with, with, with having balance also. Um, because yeah, 15 barrels is just ridiculous. Like, you know, 15 15 pounds per barrel is is ridiculous. You don't need that. Um, finding that sweet spot where it's like, all right, this is as expressive as you can get with this amount of hops. And this is about as much as I need to go with it. And it doesn't have to be any more than that. This is, this is kind of great. Um, there's a lot of things that are involved with, uh, the use of hops. It's not just like how much hops you use. It's also like contact time and, and process and how you go about brewing the spear that you're brewing. Um, learning how to use your hops is just fascinating to me. Um, the blends of hops, the amounts, the right amounts of each hop. Uh, most of my beers are led with Citra as some of you have have been able to notice. And then I sprinkle. I'm shocked. <laughs> I, uh, I can't believe you. I, I sprinkle in a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And uh, yeah, they all work super well together when you learn how to use them. Not all of them. I, have, I haven't used all the hops out there, but I've used quite a bit. And uh, yeah, uh, pushing the envelope, not necessarily in the pounds per barrel, but like just like the process and how you can make things like stand out more than what you're currently having available to you at all times. Let's dive a little bit deeper in that. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point in the Brujos experience, mm-hmm. you have this special opportunity where you're not serving beer on draft in a tap room. You yeah. don't need to be everything to everyone. Yeah. You don't need to, you know, find some bigger, broader audience that's going to support this business. You can, you're selling cans of packaged beer yeah that at this point like people line up around the block for you can focus purely on saturated flavor and the intensity and the quality of that flavor as you're thinking about designing an ipa recipe Mm. then knowing that that's your sales mode where do you start uh where do i start with building an ipa recipe that I know is going to people are going to line up around the block for. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I've just been doing what I've been doing for so long that I don't think about it too much. Um, it's fair. It's fair to know, push those commercial concerns. Out yeah. Of your head. But when you're trying to think about a saturated, beautiful, right. Expressive. Yeah. IPA, you mm-hmm. know, where, where do you start? You know, what, what kind of, you know, guardrails do you then build for yourself 
I think when I start writing a recipe, if it's, let's say it's a collaboration with someone and I've had enough of their beers, um, I'll try to take my style and what I think they do with their beers as far as like the flavors I'm picking up from their beers and like marry the two styles, if you will, like take my process and kind of imagine what their process is like. Sometimes the brewers share their process with you and sometimes they don't, but more often than not they do. And so taking those two ideas and just like trying to create a beer that tastes like something I made, but also influenced by this other brewery, you know? And, uh, and then I don't know, there might be a hop out there that one of us has used that the other one hasn't. And we're like, why don't we take what we know about this hop and this other hop and blend it with this hop to see what we get out of it. Um, that's kind of where I try to go with the collaborations. Like let's, let's make it a true collaboration. Let's learn from each other. And let's, let's not just like slap each other's logos on each other's can just to sell the beer. Um, so if it's not like that for me, I'm not interested really. I, sure. I love, I love brewing with brewers that are willing to like try new things and try things like that. You know, like we'll have conversations for weeks or months sometimes. And then we finally pull something off and we're like, this is cool. And also the art and all that stuff for me is like the, that's my favorite part of the whole like brewing process is like, I'll always come up with some like art concept and pitch it to them and they'll either like it or they just, they're like, that sounds cool. Like you're way more creative with that than I am. So just run with that. And I honestly base my recipes a lot off of like the art sometimes in terms of like the color of the hazy. Like if the art has a certain yellow, I'm like, I'm trying to match the yellow of on that can art to the beer or like just the last one I did with Fidens. I'm like, it's a little red. So I want, I'm going to use a bunch of red wheat, flaked red wheat and whatever malted red wheat, um, just to give it a little more hue to kind of match those, uh, yellowish red tones that the can has just because I think it's cool. Not because I think it's necessary, but I've worked with all the wheats and all the oats and all the pilsners. And I'm like, I think I can kind of work off of that with this one and make it unique in a way. Maybe most people, most people won't pay attention to that, but I pay attention to those little details and I think it's fun. I think um, that's what keeps me like motivated and excited about stuff like that. I, I don't know. It's it's the creative challenge, right? Yeah, yeah. That you, know, yeah. uh, you know when you set out guardrails for yourself, mm -hmm. whether those are colors on you know the label <laughs> yeah. or yeah, I think I think about little things too much, so much that sometimes they like hinder me from focusing on the actual beer i'm like no like the font needs to look this way or whatever it is you know the wizard needs to have this angle holding this thing doing that thing and uh lucky for me i have amazing artist friends that are super patient and willing to work with me with that stuff because i care about that almost more than i care about i mean i care about the beer always but i'm so like detail focused with um, the branding and stuff. It's my favorite part of the whole process. And so making the beer match like the can art, like the beer has to be as cool as the can art. So once I have the can art, then I can build off that and like make the beer match it all and be super cool. But let's be real, Sam. Yeah. 
nobody's lining up for the cans <laughs> just because the can art is cool. No, just I mean, because the, I'm like, sure it's part of the it. The broader but it, idea yeah. of this brand feels cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, when push comes to shove, yeah. this is a, we're, we're in a well-developed beer market. Mm. You're here in Portland. There's plenty of opportunities for beer drinkers to yeah. go grab lots and lots of beers that mm. are well-made by well-intentioned brewers that have very thoughtful approaches to process. Yeah. You know, and yet at some point here, like they're lining up for your beers. Yeah. It's crazy to me. I guess going back to pushing the envelope, um, what I meant was more like I've brewed for so many brewers behind the scenes, like some that I can't even really mention, but I've seen the recipes, I've seen the process. And honestly, it seems like some of it just got real, real soft and real, like, like, like no one's willing to just like push flavor. They're just so scared of spending too much money on a beer because whatever, they have X amount of employees and they have to pay a certain, you know, amount of people and they have to pay certain bills and so they have to cut back on costs on recipes. And to me, that's super boring. I'm like, I'm not in, I'm not into this for that, for those reasons. I'm trying to keep this brand small and quality focused, like I said earlier, and uh, pushing the envelope, meaning like I'm willing to put the extra amount of hops in these beers that people aren't. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I care about the beer tasting awesome versus how much uh, money I'm going to make, which I mean, isn't super responsible to save, you know, as a business owner now. Um, that's just where I'm at. I'm like, I, I just want the beers to taste as good as I can make them taste without with like, with also keeping drinkability in mind, not just like um, extreme flavor, like 15 pounds of hops per barrel. That's, <laughs> that's just too much. Um, yeah. Respect, respect to the brewery CFOs out there. This is <laughs> yeah. going to be the, the worst podcast episode for you <laughs> yeah. that we've done in recent memory. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about how, you know, the process behind how you find and how you achieve that kind of saturation without just doing excessive and unuseful things, which, you know, it's, it's certainly possible. Right. This realm of brewing. Before we do that, oh, you like wildly aromatic IPAs and tropical lagers? Good thing. Omega designed thialized yeast for just that reason. Thialized yeast are a new tool for brewers to bring intensive guava and passion fruit aromas out of your malt and hops. And wait, there's more. Omega yeast makes yeast to order with consistent one week lead times, ensuring peak freshness and reliability. Also, sustainability doesn't have to cost you more. Try Robert's Polypro's multi-pack can handles designed for sustainability and cost savings. Grip pack rings are biodegradable and average five cents per unit. Craft pack carriers are recyclable and designed with 30% less plastic. Plus, you can save up to 25% on costs. Enjoy easy application with inline applicators and 24-7 support. It's easy to go green with these multi-pack handles. Visit go.robertspolypro.com slash cbbpod to request free samples and start saving today. And ABS Commercial has been a full-service brewery outfitter for the past 10 years. 
They're proud to offer brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country, as well as equipment for distilling, cider making, wine making, and more. They know the ins and outs of the brewing and installation process and can design the perfect setup for you. Whether you're just starting out or looking to expand, contact them today at sales at abs-commercial.com to discuss your customized brewery needs. ABS Commercial, we are brewers. Okay, Sam, I'm turning the screws right now. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Let's talk about uh, let's talk talk about how you design those IPAs. Okay, so where do you start? You know, for it's me, it's got to start at yeah, malt, right? Malt, for, water, yeah, absolutely, and then we'll get into hops from there. For me, it's not all about hops. Um, hops are obviously super important in IPA. Um, it's also uh, very malt focused, like my IPAs at least. Um, yeah, most of them are pretty heavy adjunct, uh, hazy IPAs. By adjunct, meaning like a ton of. Wheat, wheat notes and some oats, uh, whether it's a blend of malted and flaked of each. Um, they're primarily led by wheat and oats and then like a dash of Pilsner by dash. I'm saying sometimes like as little as like 30% Pilsner and like the rest is made up of wheat and oats. Oh, really? So my efficiency is total so like 30% trash. 30% barley and then like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so 35% like, yeah. wheat This is oats. what I mean when I'm like irresponsibly like, uh, no, seriously, talk to me about that. Yeah. Like, are, are you know, like, you know, when you start getting into those percentages, yeah. then you're talking about some like insane lovers. Oh dude. Yeah. Like the, honestly, like we're, yeah. we're, we're in crazy town now. Yeah, I've, I've had louders. real good luck with louders. Um, using i mean i use a little bit of rice holes and it helps um and yeah when i say a little bit of rice holes i'm talking maybe like one two percent max really and yeah just slow and steady mix of the mash while you're mashing in and you're you should be fine if you're crushing your mill as you should everything should be fine you shouldn't when you say it. that what does that mean um so i've seen a lot of brewers on social media like posting videos of how they mash in and the rakes are just running super fast, just beating the shit out of the mash. Uh, I run mine super slow. This is something I learned from a friend that uh, is now like head brewer in Las Vegas somewhere. Um, and he taught me the, the, yeah, like gentle is better. You know, don't beat your mash up, especially when you're talking like that much wheat and that many oats. So yeah, slow and steady, uh, thick mash for a hazy, um, so, Thick mash. Do you have a like target liquor to grist ratio? Something like one to one point two five quarts per pound of grain. Um, so it's a pretty thick mash when it comes to water to grain ratio. Um, you don't have issues loudering through that, even. I haven't yet. I mean the the systems I've brewed on, like Great Notions and living houses systems are great. Like they have these amazing underlets that if you do end up getting a slight stuck mash, you can just blast some water underneath and it breaks everything up, run the brakes for a little bit. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, an extreme malt bill that also yields like terrible efficiency. So you do have to use some sugars to make up for that loss. Um, Describe that to me. What do you mean by that? So, I mean, you're using some dextrose to like, yeah, absolutely. I try to leave the dextrose out for the most part, but I'll use it if it's absolutely necessary. Um, 
I like to use a lot of Brewer's Crystals and some Malto, maybe. Maybe not a lot. Maybe, like, no more than, like, 10. Brewer's Crystals and Malto. Some yeah, like a, and... like a blend of both. Um, Why no, and what for? Just to add a little more body on top of a beer that's already going to be pretty thick with that thick mash and all that. Um, so, yeah, no more than, like, 10% of those sugars or a blend of those sugars. And uh, I'm very specific when it comes to, like, target starting gravity and like mash temps and phs and all that so i'll start off with like say i'm building a hazy dip i'm like i'm starting at like 20.5 play-doh and i'm gonna mash it like 155 to target like a 5.5 final gravity which i think is kind of the sweet spot for a hazy new england ipa um hazy double new england ipa um, why, why is that the sweet spot uh just Personally, my preference as far as flavor goes, I think that's like I, I don't disagree with you because yeah. I think that actually, you know, five 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 is mm -hmm. like five to five five for me is like kind of actually weirdly dry. -ish yeah, yeah. People call it IPA. like I, I see yeah. some of the comments that people leave on the IPAs that I make, and they're like, "This is so dry." I'm like, "It's actually like five to five five Play-Doh. Like it's it's not that dry when you're talking West Coast IPA. Right. Can get down to like one four which is insanely dry, you know, like, sure, and it's, but sure. there's still, if you can execute that well, it's, it's really good as well. Um, so yeah, something Maybe like with that much alcohol and that much, you know, theoretical bitterness mm -hmm. that doesn't, doesn't feel out of place. No. Yeah. Uh, water profile is a big deal too for me. Um, I'm using heavy calcium chloride, a pinch of sulfate and maybe a dash of like sodium chloride all for like added mouthfeel just just for this idea of just, body just, and body and breath just, without yeah, just necessarily from, sweetness itself. absolutely just from doing it so long and and playing with water profiles um i've come to the conclusion for myself that this is what i prefer when i'm drinking a hazy or my own hazy you know when i'm trying it dissecting it i'm still i'm still trying to perfect all that i don't think I'm, i'll ever reach that point where I'm like, this is the best hazy I've ever made. I'm, I'm just such, such a critical person when it comes to my own beer and, and everyone else's beer, but that's fine. Um, yeah. Water profile, mash temps, thick mash, um, little sugars we mentioned. If I'm ever looking for a little extra bitterness, I'm doing something like flex in the boil for, uh, yeah, just a dash of more bitterness and then I'll keep the world. Why, why flex? Just because I know I'm already going to lose so much volume to the Whirlpool uh, hop edition and also the dry hop that's pretty massive. So I'm like, if I can... <laughs> You're going to do this without like using an advanced hop product yeah. rather than yeah. using something that's going to absorb even mm -hmm. more liquid out of yeah. the spirit that you're making. Absolutely. So Flex is a great product to use for bittering if you're trying to get some bitterness out of a hazy or even a West Coast um so I'll use a little bit of that during the boil. And then I'm usually doing like a whirlpool at like one pound or more per barrel at 170 for like 20 minutes. That sounds actually pretty weirdly, pr weirdly conservative. Yeah, honestly. And then it, I, I say most of it for the dry hop, like the dry hop yeah. is usually Why? like. So, so let's talk about whirlpool first. Yeah, like yeah. One, one pound per barrel. Yeah. Why are you not loading up more? In your whirlpool there um i just don't think it's necessary 
I've tried it. I've tried two pounds per barrel. I'm like, oh shit, that's a bit much. Some people will disagree with me. Some people that make really great hazes are like, we're doing like two, three pounds. I don't think it's necessary. I'm like, I'll save all that for the green bitterness I'm going to get out of like the massive dry hop. And uh, I just prefer that, honestly. It's nothing else other than preference. And yeah, sometimes I'm like, fuck, I, I kind of like the two pound per barrel more than the one pound per barrel from my friends that made it that way. But I don't know when it comes to my beer. I'm like, I think this is what I like and this is what my fans are used to. And so I don't want to switch it up on them too hard and then start giving them like beers that are just so wildly out of spec for brujos. Um, maybe at some point I will. Every now and then I'll throw you a curveball and see what people say on the Internet and whatever. Honestly, I don't even like tell you what is in the beer. I I just I mean, uh, as far as like ratios or flavors, if you see my posts, it's like this is a hazy double IPA with citra and mosaic. And if it's double dry hopped, I'll tell you that. I won't tell you what's in it or what you should expect because all all palettes are different and like I don't understand the point of bragging about like how many pounds is like a double dry hop, you know, like I know what it is. I'm like, this is actually, yeah, this is a little bit more dry hop than like the average hazy that you're going to try. So expect a little more greenness, expect a little more intensity. And if it's triple dry hop, it's almost like wait a couple of weeks before you, <laughs> you drink this one. Um, well, the, the in, insanity and stupidity of that, mm-hmm. you know, is obvious. Like, mm-hmm. right. Like, what artist paints a painting and says hey, it tells you exactly I what colors the he most used. intense pigments right and i use the most expensive color paints. like yeah. you know uh, the pigment is the most saturated as possible <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah. okay cool that's great yeah is the painting good like yeah. you know i, I yeah. don't i don't care a- about the intensity of your pigment talk to me about what you're trying to achieve and how you achieved it and so you know in right. that regard like how do you, as someone who's trying to build an artful expression yeah. of IPA, what are some of those kind of kind of key points that you that you lean on and try to you know to create this expression without excess, you know that that also feels intense, right. flavorful, saturated, you know, and big. Because yeah. there's a bigness. There's a bigness to Brujos. Like, yeah. you know, people want that bigness. And mm-hmm. people find your brand. They're not here for tame. Like, right. they yeah. want it They're loud, not here to, you know? Yeah. They don't want, like, you know, Baroque. They want it, like, you know, yeah. t- turn the amps up to 11. Let's, like, <laughs> see how far and how loud yeah. you can crank this shit. Totally. I love how you said all that about, um like, the the colors and like it not mattering as an artist to explain like the hues and shit. It's like, I made this painting, it's called this and I did it on this day because it's very meaningful to me. And uh, I hope that you enjoy it because I do. And this is why I'm letting you experience it and try it. And it's not going to be for everyone. Like you said earlier, the bros is not a brand that everyone's going to, gravitate towards because it's a little dark or whatever it's a little intense some brewers are like this is so out of spec the beers are insanely green or like just so opaque that it looks gross i'm like that's fine like you brew your beers i'll brew mine um i know what my audience likes i know what the homebrew friends i had liked from when i started this so i've just stuck to that and i've 
tried to finesse it over the years. I'm still trying to do that. Um, I might have gotten off topic with what you just asked me, but I just wanted to <laughs> mention all that. So we've talked a little bit about malt. You're mm. using a lot of yeah, of, you know, like wheat and oats. Absolutely, a yeah. huge amount. Yeah, of those. and like it's it's like an a, amount that most in a commercial they won't know, do it. They won't do. They it. won't fucking do it. I've like I said, I've brewed for X amount of breweries, and I've seen the recipes, and they're just like tamed down. You know, like you can still make a hazy hazy with I don't know eighty five percent pills and. 5% wheat, whatever the fuck it is. And I've, I've had the beers and they're great. They're fine. Yeah. But they're just, to me, they're a little bit boring and they're just like, they feel kind of safe. Like you just, you're more worried about selling volume versus like expressive flavor and like intense uh, mouth, whatever it is, you know, like I'm I'm trying to cater to the niche market of people that are like, this shit's crazy. Like it's a little intense, but give it a couple of weeks. It's going to be awesome. Um, just because that's the nerd that I was that got me into beer. And, you know, I was lining up for Monkish. I was lining up for Green Cheek and Pure Project, all those people that were doing all that stuff when it was first popping off. And I, I thought it was awesome, like to be in those lines and to make friends and to experience these flavors that other people weren't really doing. There was hazies everywhere already, but uh, their hazies just seemed to like, really hit you differently and and obviously like the branding was amazing and the people behind the projects were amazing so uh, I was very inspired by that and I I hope that I can inspire people that are coming up to follow the same path or or not it doesn't really matter beyond this kind of base right I you know recipe and mm-hmm. the malt that supports it yeah you know what are some of the the next key factors on that I imagine that your water chemistry becomes an important one, you know, making sure that these beers feel as big as they should and, right. use, you know, employing a water chemistry that it accomplishes that. And I imagine that hops are probably the conversation we should have after that. Yeah. Uh, water is a big deal for sure. Um, the One of the main reasons I moved up here was because the water is just so great. Wait, you moved to Oregon because the water is so great? Honestly, that was a big part of the reason why I wanted to move here. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. Don't tell my wife. She's going to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) She's like, why do you want to move there so bad? I'm like, it's so pretty. I mean, that's another reason why, you know, uh, the nature here is just. But the water. But the water, Portland, Oregon. Like just studying water water. and shit. As a brewer and nerd, I was like, "I, I just need some real good water. I mean, obviously you can get RO anywhere. But coming out of Tijuana, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I for sure, like, California and like yeah. super hard water, like you, yeah, you need some RO to make some some styles of beer great, um, or or just real good water, which Oregon has a ton of. So yeah, water, huge deal. Uh, profiles, like I said, I my hazies are pretty heavy in calcium chloride, like minimum like two fifty ppm, and then like really, a, yeah like minimum (laughs) and then uh because of such such a high chloride content in these beers um i'm not using any acids because the chloride does it for me like i get to that five three five four ph range for the mash and from there on i i know some people like to acidify their ipas or their all their beers down to like five one for healthy firms and whatnot um i 
don't do that with the hazies. Wherever it finishes, once I'm done boiling, um, that's where it finishes. And my uh, target pH is like knockout or somewhere like 5.2, 5.3. And then in package, I'm talking 4.6 to 4.8. I think that's a really good spot. I've had others where I'm like, I think 4.3 to 4.5 is a little too acidic, too tart for the style, you know. Um, I like my orange juice a little sweet, you know, with a little added sugar. So I'm like, I want my pH to finish here. And it feels like that for my palate. So, and then I have this theory that calcium chloride almost like burns the roof of your mouth. So it creates this airy, pillowy, soft sensation that we talk about that um, I'm actually like, I think that shit's just like so high in the beer that it's like burning your palate, opening up your pores that it creates this like airy feeling. (laughs) <laughs> so people associate that with soft and like fluffy like oh my god dude, this beer is, it's like yeah they're super high in that so um this is just a theory obviously i don't i don't i have no scientific data to prove it but i have fucked around and put like a single little pellet of calcium chloride in my mouth and like oh fuck that's not a good idea that just like burned the shit out of my fucking palate <laughs> but i'm fucking weird like that and i was always a weird kid that just wanted to try all these things and I'm like I, how, how how am I going to know what it does to you if you don't try it or what it tastes like if you don't calcium chloride please do not try that on your own I do not advise you to <laughs> put calcium chloride in your mouth or any sort of pellets or anything like that um, <laughs> <laughs> which I've also done as a fucking idiot I'm like I'm going to try this hop and just chew on it and like, oh that was a terrible idea Damn it, Sam, we're going to have to offer all sorts of caveats <laughs> on this episode of the podcast. Jesus. Come on. Oh, man. Come on. Come on. Well, let, let's talk. Let's, okay, so water profile. We're talking water profile. We talked about water profile, and, and that makes sense. Like, let's, yeah. talk, let's, let's talk hops or what? Let's start talking about hops. How, would, how do you start making choices around those things that work within this context of hazy IP? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah second primary reason i wanted to move here was because of that you know we have these amazing hop farms all over the pacific northwest and um i just wanted to come here and experience that like hop selection and all that which i got to do with great notion and because of that i learned so much about just like hop expressions just from all the different hops that we got to use and that we got to rub and that we got to blend and like not all of them worked you know Doing all that at Great Notion was like going to school. Um, and once I was done with my time there, I took all the knowledge I had. And I'm lucky that I, I'm so lucky that I got to do what I've done and that I've learned on other people's dimes. I'm sorry if I'm like <laughs> saying this shit and hurting people's feelings or whatever. But um, yeah, I got to learn on people's dimes. And now I know what to kind of like not do and what to do so the hot blends that i've learned over the years that work you've, you've helped them also yeah sell, yeah sell a lot of beer in I, the meantime <laughs> absolutely so it's not yeah pure, purely self maybe I'm, yeah maybe i'm being too honest here just giving a take right yeah you know? absolutely yeah so yeah there were certain recipes that we wrote that were absolutely killer and people loved and some that we were like fuck this one's not that great it's good enough you know but it's just like maybe we should have done things different so what made them good and what what were some of the things that you... some hops just don't work well together? They clash and and it's like. What are some of the things you wouldn't do? 
Um, so for example, Nectaron is an amazing hop. I think it's a better hop for West Coast IPA than it is for Hazy. If you're gonna use it in Hazy, I would say like, like use it sparingly. Um, but it works great. What does sparingly mean? Like I'm talking like quarter pound, maybe half pound per barrel in a Hazy. Um, and why? Just because they can be a little diesel-y and uh, from what I've used so far, the lots I've used, they've been a little bit like here and there, like they haven't been super consistent. Um, and hops like that, uh, I feel like work best in a West Coast, um, something like Mosaic, Nectaron, etc. work super cool in a West Coast IPA, whereas like, I don't think it would work as well in a hazy. Um, I did make a beer called Void Nectar that I used a tiny bit of nectar on it and it worked really well. It was like Citra Galaxy. And I, I got real lucky and I used like the best galaxy I could find that Great Notion ended up having. And it was the only reason I used it because we all know like Galaxy has been so all over the place. So hit and miss. Um, So I got lucky with that one. I was like, oh my God, this galaxy is incredible. This is the time to make this beer because I have access to this amazing Citra, this amazing galaxy and Nectaron and the beer is called Void Nectar. So of course I got to throw in the galaxies and the Nectarons and leave with Citra like I do. Yeah, I wouldn't brew like a hazy with all sorts which i've had some some people <laughs> uh, shots why fired. would you waste good sots on uh, anything but a check pilsner or check pale lager i've learned that also like some hazy i mean if if you dry out your hazy too much for me it's like it's almost just like not that good it's not very drinkable whereas i prefer a west coast being super dry um i think hazies have their sweet spots with final gravity, starting gravity. Uh, so yeah, if I was going to talk about, what, what are those sweet spots? Okay. Let's go with a single hazy. I would say something like, um, I don't know, like a five to six Plato finishing gravity for a single hazy. Yeah. Is, is my sweet spot double. You're talking like five L- literal sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, a single, or I mean a double, I would say like a five to five, five and a triple. I like a little more dry. So something like four Play-Doh, four to four, four really? to 4.5 Play-Doh, I think is a good spot. Why, why that much lower on a triple IPA? Because the alcohol content in there already makes it a little sweet on yeah. its own, you know? So yeah. if you have too much residual sweetness on top of that, alcohol like it's just not that pleasant um and i also tend to make my triples a little more bitter with flex just because they're that much sweeter than like a double or a single even though like i'm talking single finishes at like six play-doh i don't think it translates the same way as like a triple does when a triple finishes at four play-doh i think triple at four play-doh is still pretty sweet and uh yeah most people probably wouldn't be able to tell you how uh, dry it is if they tried it and it's at four play-doh they'd be like oh what is this like six play-doh and you tell them no it's actually like four and they're like wow that's crazy how is it like sweet but dry i don't know that's the balance that i've found i guess i don't know i know some people prefer even drier on a triple like i don't know three and a half play-doh i'm like i think that's too dry but that's that's them that's and this is me 
those are counterintuitive numbers. Yeah, totally. Coming at it from my perspective. Yeah, you're like, what are you fucking talking about? I uh, no, I, I really am. <laughs> yeah. Like that is actually yeah, yeah. my response to that. Like, yeah, what yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. Like I said, I've done, I've made these beers for so many years, and these are just. What's your threshold then between like double and triple IPA? Where you're like, okay, you know, now we're talking about so much alcohol that we're gonna dial down you know, the, the bitterness on this or, you know, the, the overall hop expression and try to keep it into this kind of balance just because at this level of alcohol, people are going to, you know, they're going to feel the saturation regardless. Right. Um, honestly, the higher the ABV for me, like the more hops I use, um, and the lower, the slightly less hops I use. Um, if I'm brewing like a nine, 10% ABV, hazy i'm targeting like a at least five to six pounds in the dry hop and i'll usually call it a double dry hop because it's like a two-stage dry hop and it's it's a pretty big dry hop five to six barrels um if i'm talking double ipa i'm probably sticking in the five to five and a half pound per barrel range and if i'm talking single it's probably more like in the uh four and a half to five pound per barrel range not a crazy difference between all yeah, yeah, yeah. those things. Yeah. yeah. Like they're they're all pretty much in the range. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well I mean I've gone higher. This is just like something that like would be like a standard for me if I'm like, let's not go crazy with this one. Let's uh let's let's flip out from numbers and talk about quality mm -hmm. of hops. You right. know, it it as we all know, it's not just X you know, number of pounds per barrel hops it there, you know, the things that make these beers special are also the way that those hops convey. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You have to know what your hops smell like and all that, you know, like you can't just blindly open a bag of hops and dump them in the tank. Um, so how do you, how do you select hops for hazy IPA? Uh, no, knowing yeah, yeah. that these are primarily going to be, Hazy IPA. Yeah. Um, I'm super lucky to have Great Notion as a, almost like a sponsor. I'm, they've contracted a decent amount of hops that they're also letting me like buy some from them uh, for that reason. Um, and I've had the chance to select these hops, so I know that they're really good. And so I've been brewing a lot of my Hazy IPAs that I've released to the public so far with their hops. And then I'll eventually, uh, every now and then I'll, I'll reach, reach out to like New Zealand hops and ask for like some really cool, like Nelson or Motueka, whatever it is. And, uh, they'll send me samples and I'll rub them. And if I'm happy with the lot, I'm like, yeah, I want X amount of that for this beer. I, I'm still such a small guy that I can still like just kind of spot hop. And I know enough people where they're sending me like some of the best shit that's out there that they have access to. And so right now I'm in that spot where I'm like, yeah, I've been able to pick my hops like that way where it's like, I know not everyone gets the chance to be that selective, but so far I've been able to do that. Uh, I know like growing this brand further now that we have a brewery, um, it's going to be a little more complicated because I'm eventually going to end up having to contract my own stuff. And I hope that I can go and like actually contract out some Citra and some Mosaic and some Nelson and whatever it is, you know. Um, lucky for me, I've already met a ton of these farmers and, uh, 
hop growers that just like want me to take some of their stuff. So I'm super excited about that. Sure, sure. When you're when you're rubbing these hops, you know what is it that stands out to you? You know what are what are some of the positives in your selection strategy, and what are some of the negatives? Like what makes what what disqualifies right. some of those hops, and what immediately qualifies some of those other hops yeah as you're rubbing them and making some selection notes around them um for the citras it's almost like i mean citra is just king to me it's it's hard to like find the bad citra but if it's a little too oniony too garlicky too og i'll save that for something like a west coast maybe not even um I'll set that one aside and, and try to rub some others and, until I find the right citrusy mango forward, like almost pineapple kind of citra. Same with like Galaxy. If I ever get a, if I ever get a chance to like come across that, I'm looking for that nice citrusy grapefruit note. Um, pineapple also. Um, mosaic. If I'm getting like the diesel-y, like OG like garlic, I'm like I'm not into it. I, I prefer the blueberry-ish, berry-ish, citrusy mosaic. Um, but there are some really nice lots of mosaic that are also a little OG that you're like, I can blend this with this, like, more blueberry-forward one, and it'll work nice in a West Coast. Um, uh, diesel is something I try to, like, stay away from in, in a hazy, you know, like, some hops are a little diesel And if I find those, I'm like, and if I need to take them, I'm like, I'll use that in the West Coast, which I haven't done any of really yet. I haven't even had the chance to like show people what other beers I can make real well. I can make a real good Grazitsky, if you didn't know that shit. <laughs> I mean, I brewed one Wait, for I brewed yeah. I brewed one for Great Notion last year, and I won a gold at GABF. Um, so I absolutely plan on making one for Brujos and dialing that in further because I felt like that one was actually kind of too dry. I'm just going to throw the ISO right now for the Brujos uh, <laughs> Gorgiska. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. Gorgiska. Yeah, I can't even pronounce it right. Um, I have a friend in town who's a Polish brewer too, Jarek from Threshold, and he was like, congrats on that gold, bro. You're lucky I didn't enter mine. I was like, fuck you, dude. Like, I, I love his graduates. I think his, was be- his is better than mine. But it was a, uh, it was cool to have him come up to me and congratulate me for that because that was a beer that I actually also hand canned and shit. And if you know how high carbonation that beer is, it's a nightmare to package it's the by Polish hand. champagne, my friend. It like, was like you know. carb to like three one or some shit. Yeah. And so I had the hardest time canning that by hand. I think I wasted like seventeen cans <laughs> until I finally had like four or eight, whatever the yeah, amount of cans. Sure. That, and they were proper fills, and I was like, I hope these aren't super do- super oxidized by the time they get to the judges. But the notes weren't like, yay, this is the best one we've ever had. But they were like, this is pretty pretty spot on, like close to like perfect. And I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. So the second, third time I brewed one, and it was, yeah, it was right. Yeah. Well, you know, as, as we're getting on in time here, yeah. let, let's start to zoom out. Let's, okay. uh, let's think about broader approach to quality right you know what are what are some of the keys there to to quality expression and beauty in beer that you you know that you focus on embodying 
you know, right. through through the process that yeah. uh, that you employ. I I I'm honestly gonna stick to what I've been doing and um, don't expect me to change my recipes because I have a brewery. Like I'm gonna continue to make these opaque, hop heavy beers, um, adjunct heavy hazies. <laughs> Um, where I might be yielding like shit yields, but, um, I'm more concerned with quality over anything. And as far as, as long as I think the beers are great or at least good enough, I'm going to release them. If they're not, I'm going to try again. And, uh, that's just what it's going to be. It's what it's always going to be. It's what it's always been. I don't really care about getting rich. This isn't a money grab for me. This is a absolutely just like all about art and, expression and when you get to try these beers you're like getting to try like a like a part of me and like when you get to experience the brew house and see what it looks like when it's done it's also a part of me and i hope you like it and if you don't that's fine because there's so many other brewers doing cool shit so go find your niche i'm curious to see what you come up with here sam yeah me too <laughs> where brew host goes in the future yeah I, I can't wait to see it. I Me think either. you're going to challenge all of us. I'm trying to challenge all of you. Make note of that. <laughs> that's that's my closing note. Mic drop. And on that note, G&D Chillers has set the standard for quality service and reliability with 24-7 service and support. HS Grove boasts incredible biotransformation qualities, giving you the power to transform your next IPA into a stone fruit powerhouse. Try Old Orchard's flavored craft juice concentrate blends in your next craft beverage. AccuBrew helps you detect problems before they ruin a batch. ProBrew has rotary can fillers in stock with a two to four week lead time. RMS Roller Grinder mills unlock the full potential of your grain. Omega stylized yeasts bring intensive guava and passion fruit aromas out of your malt and hops. Go green with multi-pack handles from Roberts Poly Pro and ABS Commercial is your full-service brewery outfitter. Sam, if people want to learn more about Brujos and the beer that you brew, yeah, where do they find you all? Both, uh, you know, in in the ethereal <laughs> world, digital world, as well as in the brick-and-mortar right. world um, of real beer. I primarily only use Instagram to promote the brand. Uh, so Brujos underscore brewing. And we have a web store, which is brujosbrewing.com. And um, we have a couple more releases that are set to be released out of Living House before we actually open this place up. So expect another release or two out of there. Probably... November and early January out of Living House, unless we're already up and running over here. Um, and uh, yeah, our location is 2377 Northwest Wilson Street in Portland, Oregon. We're not open yet, but we plan on being open possibly by March of next year. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think that's kind of like what, what we're all feeling right now. There's a lot of stuff that we got to do as far as the build out and the aesthetics and the brew house itself is pretty turnkey as you saw um but yeah we want to make this place look cool and it has to match the vibe and the can art and everything so sam thanks for joining me for this podcast yeah thanks, thanks. you know yeah it, 
thanks for having me man um i'm not the best at this shit but i hope you got some information out of me that you might find useful and uh, contradictory i don't know (laughs) thanks for talking to me about how you brew beer cheers man cheers man This podcast has been brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those who love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew.